The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Mark chapter 4, this morning we're going to be looking verses 13 through 20 together as Jesus gives the explanation of the parable of the soils that we started a few weeks ago. Starting in Mark chapter 4, verse 1, and again he began to teach by the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. Then Jesus leaves the crowd. No explanation as to what he meant by this parable. He simply left it with, This statement, he who has ears, let them hear. Last week we looked at verses 10, 11, and 12. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Then in verse 13, Jesus gives illumination. He gives understanding, explanation of what he meant in this parable of the soils. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. 
and others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Jesus, in sharing this parable, reveals a, a secret to the kingdom of God. And we, we talked about that language uh, pretty in-depthly last week, what it means to be a, a secret to the kingdom of God. And we certainly don't have time to rehash that this morning, but that sermon is on the website. It's on iTunes and Stitcher, wherever you may get your podcasts. But this is, is a secret to the kingdom of God. And what, what, what Jesus is showing his disciples, what he's teaching his disciples is that there are differing responses to the gospel. There are differing responses to the word of God. And in giving this parable of the soils, what Jesus is giving us is a diagnosis of the heart. It's a diagnosis of the heart. There are four or three characters present in this parable. The first is that of the sower, of the sower. We, the sower is not identified here. There, there is, is no one in particular in this parable that is the sower. Um, the sower is, is not the, the focus of the parable. The sower is anyone who teaches, preaches, shares, proclaims the seed, which is the word of God. Verse 14, Mark 4, the sower sows the word. The seed is the word of God. Luke 8, 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So you have a sower, a person who... Um, in the imagery that, that Jesus is giving in this parable is going out and is sowing, is teaching, is proclaiming the word of God. And as the word of God is spread, it falls on different soils. And those soils represent the hearts of people. And these soils are the primary focus. And with these soils, Jesus gives us four different categories that represent the condition of the human heart. And the reality is that every heart is represented in these four soils. Every person who has ever lived falls in one of these four categories in terms of their heart and how they respond to the word of God. Four types of soils here. We'll look at them each this morning. You have the hardened. The hardened heart. You have the shallow heart. 
You have the half-hearted. And you have the fertile heart. Jesus begins with the hardened heart in verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? There's a a lot of people that put a lot of weight in this this verse in particular. And they they say that this, this is the parable of all parables. And it is the key to all parables. Um, and it, it could be. I, I, think, I think that the explanation is maybe even a little uh, simpler than that. Because if you understand the parable, that's not, just, that's not just cognitive understanding, right? If you understand the parable in that you understand it's only a heart that's been softened by the Holy Spirit that can receive the word of God. And your heart has been softened by the Holy Spirit to receive the word of God. Then you have the ability because of the grace of God to understand all the parables. If you understand this one in that you you apply this one and you receive the word of God willingly. Then you will by God's grace be able to understand all of the parables. But if you don't understand this parable, in other words, if this word falls on you and is, falls on a hardened heart or falls on a shallow heart or falls on a half-hearted heart, then how will you understand any of the parables because you've not received the word of, of God? And so then Jesus gives the explanation, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. So this is the explanation of verse 5 that came before. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Jesus, using the, the imagery of the soil, chooses for himself... Um, a type of soil that would have been readily understood by his hearers here in Galilee. All throughout the region of Galilee, there were paths that were hard beaten road that were cut through the landscape that people would walk on and travel on getting to, to where they were going and because of the constant beating of their feet or animals' feet or um, carts, the ground would be hardened, just, just like our roads are, are hardened. You, you know the imagery of a path, and it served as the perfect analogy for the hardened, unresponsive, rejecting heart. And there are those that hear the gospel, yet because of their unbelief, the seed of the gospel is unable to penetrate their hearts. For these, they may hear the gospel, but there is no conviction of sin. There is no self-examination. There is no sensitivity to the spirit of God. These are the people represented 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, where Paul says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Our gospel is hidden, Paul says. It's hidden to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. There are those who may be present as the gospel is proclaimed, present as the seed is sown. Yet as Paul says, the the God of this world has blinded their eyes so that they're unable to see the light of the gospel. They remain in darkness. Jesus says of them, their heart is hardened soil. And it's it's sobering to me to read these verses and to realize that these are people who hear the word of God. It's easy to think of the hard-hearted, those that Satan snatches the seeds away or those that are blinded from the light of the gospel. It's easy to think of those as the ones who would never enter a church, right? I mean, you, you think of those kinds of people and, 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 you know, images come to mind. But these are people who hear the word of God. These are people who are at church, who are exposed to the gospel. And yet the word of God has no effect on them. The sobering reality is that because this parable is true, you could be the hardened soil. A biblical example of the hardened soil would be Pharaoh. Moses, chosen by God to go to Egypt to free God's people from bondage, to come before Pharaoh and to say, thus says the Lord. So so what is that? That is the word of God to say, thus says the Lord. And yet Exodus 7, 13 says, still Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. A hardened soil exposed to the truth, exposed to the gospel, yet because of unbelief, Hardened, no conviction of sin, no self examination, no sensitivity to the Spirit. Jesus says of these, when they hear the gospel, when they hear the word of God, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, it's common to to hear this language of Satan coming and stealing away and taking away the word of God and, and thinking, well, this... This sounds pretty serious here, and this sounds like you know, like demon possession, right? Like like Satan's right there, and he's he's taking it away. But that's true. But I believe that this is 
much more subtle than that. Because anything or anyone that rejects Christ is a tool, a means, and a result of the evil one. Any rejection of Christ, any rejection of Christ comes from the influence of Satan. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. We were all, Paul says, dead in our trespasses and sins. And in our trespasses and sins, we once walked, how? Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That all of us, because we were dead in our trespasses and sins, with hardened hearts, were walking after, following after the evil one. This isn't just the worst of the worst. This isn't just um, the demon possessed. This is every heart that has not been softened by the Spirit of God, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and by and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The world as a system is opposed to God and is therefore following after the evil one. We live in a season where the reality of a world that's following after the evil one is, is a little more um, visible, right? So it's easy to think, you know, those following after the evil ones, these are those masked people throwing rocks and police officers and burning buildings. And it's much more subtle than that. This is the guy that comes to church every week to appease his wife. And yet his heart is hardened. And those who reject Christ do so because the evil one has blinded them to the gospel. Again, 2 Corinthians 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those that are perishing. Because in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And as the sower sows his seed, some fall on the path, the hardened soil that rejects Jesus Christ hears the word, but it has absolutely no effect on them. There's no conviction of sin. I'm totally fine. There's no self-examination. There's no humility. There's no repentance. There's no sensitivity to the spirit. It's a full out, full force rejection of the word 
of God because their hearts are hardened to the word of God. And the God of this world is blinding them to the light, the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the hardened soil. Then there is the shallow heart. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. On the rocky ground. Jesus says of the rocky ground, other seed, verse 5, fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. But the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. It withered away. Jesus says in his explanation The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So Jesus chooses here to represent the shallow heart, a a thin layer of soil that would have had a layer of limestone beneath it. So people in, in Galilee would have understood this soil, that there were places where the soil was thin and below it bedrock. And they would have known it as places where crops don't last. Can't cultivate anything in shallow soil. So Jesus says that these are those who hear the gospel and then notice this word, immediately receive it with joy. Now this word immediately seems to be the key to understanding the condition of this heart because Jesus uses it twice and repetition is using God's word for for emphasis. You see it here. They hear the word of God and immediately receive it with, with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they what? They immediately fall away. These are people that Jesus says of their heart that they lack root. They lack root. Initially, things look good, doesn't it? Initially... The the response is emotion and it is dramatic. And from the outside, it looks like a genuine conversion. But the reality is something far different, right? As I read this verse, I, I see countless teenagers' faces from my years of student ministry. They go to camp and they have a response that's dramatic, that's emotional, that that's, is, is over the top and joy-filled. I mean, that's what Jesus says here. They hear the word and they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root. They have no root. For this heart, there has been no soul-searching. It's just they hear the word and the immediate response is emotional and dramatic and joy. No time for soul searching. No time for deep introspection. 
There's no repentance. There's no counting the cost. Everything lays on the surface. Everything is superficial. Their feelings may have been affected, but their hearts were not transformed. And it's, it's, I'll just be real honest with you. It's not hard to manipulate emotions. It's not. We can hit the minor chords. They can come and play soft music while I speak really meaningfully. But the fear in that is a shallow heart. Feelings affected, but hearts left without transformation. It seems for these that there is a shallow understanding of the gospel. A shallow understanding that believes now everything will work out good. And that they will now be blessed and highly favored. And that that will manifest itself in health and wealth and comfort. It's not a coincidence that those churches that depend on the manipulation of emotion are the churches that preach a shallow gospel. A gospel that doesn't call one to repentance. A gospel that doesn't call one to count the cost. They have no root in themselves, Jesus says. They endure for a while. They're here for a while and they're filled with joy for a while. But then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word of God, right? This isn't just you made dumb decisions and now you're reaping the consequences. This is persecution or tribulation on account of the word of God, what happens to them immediately when that happens, they fall away because there is no root. There's no deep, lasting, understanding, transformation of the gospel. And they fall away. When suffering comes, they fall away because they were never truly saved to begin with. Because you cannot be saved without repentance. You cannot be saved without counting the cost. These are those who turned away and stopped following Jesus. John 6. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to this? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was 
that would betray him. And he said to them, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They were with him for a while. They were joy-filled for a while until the hard stuff happens. The hard teachings, the persecution and the tribulation, and they turned back and no longer walked with him. This is the crowd in Jerusalem that on one day cries, Hosanna, and on the next, crucify him. These are the apostates of Hebrews 6. And to us all, Jesus calls on us to count the cost. Luke 14, starting in verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. That that doesn't sound a lot like health, wealth, and prosperity, does it? Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he laid the foundation, is not able to finish. And all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciples. You cannot be a follower of Jesus, a genuine follower of Jesus, unless you count the cost, unless you're willing to give it all. There are those who hear the word and For the moment, from the outside, it seems legitimate. Yet when tribulation or persecution arises, immediately they fall away. Just by the way, this is why you cannot serve in in our church in positions of authority as elders, deacons, unless you've been a member in good standing for a year. Because there are those who come and immediately they're filled with joy and they think, man, that guy's got it all together until trials and persecution comes and the reality is manifested. There was no root. This is the shallow heart. The third type of soil is the half-hearted and others are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones that hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. The half-hearted, these are the hearts that are crowded with worldly preoccupations, pursuits and pleasures. And they hear the word of God, they 
seeds of the gospel fall in their heart and they begin to grow. But so does the thorns beside it. And the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things, Jesus says, choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. These are those that lack a heart of singular love for Christ. And instead, their hearts remain captivated by the love of the world. This is 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. These are those that hear the word of God, receive the word of God. But yet the desires for other things remain. And Jesus says of this heart, it becomes unfruitful. The fruit of a sanctified life is choked out. And what does Jesus say of those who bear no fruit? John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He takes away. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire and burned. This is the rich young ruler. Mark 10, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Now, Jesus was not saying to the rich young ruler, this is how you earn your salvation. In order to earn salvation, you have to go and sell everything you have. What Jesus was doing was exposing the condition of his heart. That he was half-hearted. He'd heard the word of God. He'd received the word of God. He says he's kept it since his youth. But one thing was the problem. There were still thorns. There was a deep love and desire for the things of the world. And Jesus knew it. And so he said, go and sell all things. Not because that would have earned his salvation, but so that he could understand the reality of his own heart. And verse 22 says, disheartened by the saying. He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. This is the half-hearted. Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. And then the last soil is the fertile heart. Verse 20, those... 
that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. These are the ones that hear the word of God and by the grace of God accept the word of God. That's what Jesus says. They hear the word and accept it. Now this word accept here is in the present tense. It means that it is always accepting the word of God. It is continually accepting the word of God. This is not the one who heard the word of God one time, walked down an aisle, met a preacher, said a prayer. But this is the one who hears the word of God and constantly and continually accepts the word of God. You know what that means, church? That means that they are constantly, continually hearing the word of God. And in their hearing, by God's grace, they're accepting it. Jesus says of them that they accept it and they bear fruit. This is also in the present tense. Meaning that they always are bearing fruit. These are those who are genuinely converted. They are born again. And in them there is deep self-inspection. There is repentance. There is accounting of the cost. A desire for obedience. And a rejection of worldliness. And the evidence of their conversion is not an initial burst of joy, but a long-term fruitfulness in their lives. This is the evidence of salvation. Fruit-bearing. People always say, well, Jason, how can I know if I'm saved? I'm struggling to know if whether or not I'm saved. The way that you know if you're saved is by the evidence of the fruit in your life. If there is no fruit, there is no root. And if there is no root, Jesus says, you fall away. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. This is the evidence. Now this leads me to a giant question. Well, how do I know what is the fruit is? How do I know the fruit? What is the fruit? Well, there's a few places we can look to have an understanding of what the fruit is. In Matthew 3, verse 8, it says, Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So a fruit of the Spirit is repentance. It's continual repentance. A fruit of the Spirit is not perfection. It's repentance. A brokenness over sin, a contrite heart, a turning from your own self, a turning from your own sin, and turning to Christ. It's continual repentance. That is fruit. If there is no continual repentance of sin, then there's no fruit. Philippians 1.11 says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory of, and praise of God. So what does that mean? That means that the fruit is righteousness. It's holy living. It's obedience to the word of God. 
holy living and obedience to the word of God does not earn your salvation, but it is the fruit. It is the result of your salvation. And if there is not righteousness and a seeking after righteousness, there is no fruit. If there is no fruit, there is no root. And then, of course, Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So if you're really born again and you've crucified yourself, you've crucified your own desires, you're walking with the Spirit of God. And as you walk with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God produces fruit in your life. And that fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what are the fruits? They're repentance. It's righteousness. This is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Then Jesus shocks them. There's always a shocking element to Jesus' parables. And then Jesus shocks them and he shocks them with the, the, the yield of the good soil. I'm not a farmer. I pay somebody to fertilize my yard because I can't do it. But evidently, the, the natural yield to a crop is eightfold. That's what I read. If you understand that differently, then come tell me. But Jesus says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, and they bear fruit. And how do they bear fruit? They bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So 30-fold is 3,000 times. 60-fold is 6,000 times. A 100-fold is 10,000 times. And the natural is 8. So what Jesus is saying is when the gospel works, it does so supernaturally. And the fruit far outpaces the seed. Now, this should be a whole sermon, but it's not going to be. But notice that there are differing levels of fruitfulness. Some produce 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. Now, all of it's supernatural, but it's to varying degrees, right? Here's what that means. That means that not every Christian grows to the same fruitfulness. But what do we do? We start comparing ourselves to other Christians, right? And their fruitfulness. But that's not what God calls us to do. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says some are 30-fold, some are 60-fold, some are 100-fold. It does you no good to compare yourself with others. Some pastors preach to 50,000. Some preach to 50. Both are the supernatural grace of God. 
This is the man from Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff. The wind drives away. Four soils, four conditions of the heart. Hardened heart, the shallow heart, the half-hearted, and the fertile. Here's the question, and you know it without me even asking it. Which are you? Which are you? Which are you? The unmistakable reality is you cannot till your own soil. You cannot soften your own heart. That's why Jesus said, only those that the Father draws to me will come to me. And he said it in context of those who left him. But my prayer is that as you hear the word of God, God by his grace would soften your heart. Because you need the gospel. You need Jesus. And may he not find in us a shallow heart. May he not find in us a crowded heart. May he find in us a fertile heart that is continually accepting the word of God and bearing fruit, keeping with repentance, with righteousness, and with the Spirit. Jesus, the truth is your word is is hard to take. To know that following you can cost us everything. It looks like we might be headed to a season where it will actually start costing us some things. So God, I pray we would be faithful like the brothers and the sisters who've gone before us, who counted the cost and gave everything for the sake of the gospel. God, I pray for the hard-hearted that you would by your grace soften their hearts where they could hear and receive the word, where they would not be blinded by the evil one, but that they would see the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ who is the image of God. God, I pray that you would not find in us a shallow heart that responds immediately to the word of God, yet when tribulations and persecutions come, fall away. But instead, God, we would count the cost of what it means to follow you. Father, I pray we wouldn't be 
the crowded heart, the half-hearted. Still enamored with the world and the things of this world. But we would live wholly for you. Father, none of this is possible without your grace. Father, we need it. Would you give it? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.